census taker once tried to test me. I ate his liver with some fava beans and a nice Chianti. Of the Throwdown Thursday podcast. I'm your host, Patrick Rahal, but you can call me Patsy the Angry Nerd. And we are here in the Pat Cave of Magenta Manor, uh, broadcasting semi live uh, before a captive audience. And uh, I am obviously uh, talking about you folks at home. You are a captive audience. Not that, you know, we've got you tied up in, you know, any place, but, you know, we could because I'm a big guy and I'm good with knots. But. Uh, Wait, we are, are we tying people up now? Well, I mean, it all depends on what they're That's into. That's kind of kinky. But uh, yeah, I am. Uh, I am here. Uh, brought to you with uh, my co-host, who I will introduce in just a moment. We are brought to you by the Dorkening Network, the Dorkening Podcast Network, and Deadly Grounds Coffee. So get your Deadly Grounds Coffee. We got to start brewing some of that. I'm waiting for your. Oh, we have you. We have the coffee maker thing all right we're gonna have to discuss uh, the the coffee making situation uh off air but uh as you can tell i am talking to my co-host on the show and my co-host in life she is <gasps> the mistress of merlot the princess of prosecco the countess of cabernet the real housewife of transylvania i totally messed up your name because mm-hmm. all i can think of all i can think of is you are my Sweet Hawaiian slider buns. Oh my God, that is not a thing. No, nope. sweet Hawaiian slider nope, buns. Nope, that is not happening. Queen of the Why monsters and an honorary Lizzie, <laughs> ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> Ashes von Nightmare. <laughs> you know, I had a whole thing that I was going to say, and you just kind of threw that out the window. So why don't you tell the folks at home? Wait, wait, wait! What your wait, what so your if new you, thing is? If you are uh, unfamiliar with me in real life and uh, are not friends with me on Facebook, then Lucky. you will will not have seen uh, this random idea that I had, where um, I think a good way to spice up your relationship is to walk through the baking the bakery aisle of any uh, any. Uh, Grocery store. Yeah, grocery store, Walmart, Target, you know, whatever you happen to have. And uh, pick a random item and then assign that item to your uh, special person. And uh, today just happened to be sweet Hawaiian slider buns. Nope, that is not happening. Um, that, is, uh, that, is not a, that is not a thing. I do not condone this. Yeah, there was some uh, <laughs> some blowback on uh, on the social media. We weren't sure. Uh, although, no, I, most people were sure that uh, she was not going to go for it. And uh, a couple people said uh, that I had been a good friend and it was nice knowing me uh, because they just assumed that uh, Ashes will kill me. But, you know. And that is why I can't go for that. Yeah. <laughs> That's why I don't like cricket. 
But uh, we have a good show for you today, I Yeah, so I think. we, well, I think first off, we need to apologize because this episode is coming out a little bit late, and that is because we have been suspended in the Upside Down. Yes. Uh, we finally broke free, and here we are recording for all of your lovely ear holes to partake of. I was running up that hill to, well, how does it go? Kneel before Zod? Is that how it... <laughs> I don't know. Uh, close. Clo- something something like that, running, yes. Yeah, I'm pretty sure that's how the song goes. Running up that hill to make it a, a, a running with Hank Hill? I don't know. Yeah, running with Hank Hill, going to kneel before Zod. I don't know. It's something along those lines. I, don't, I never really paid attention. Um, it's actually a really good song. Just going to say it's that. A, it's a song that exists. I mean, it's no master of puppies, but... Um, but yeah, so we're going to be discussing uh, a new fan favorite, and if you're familiar with Stranger Things, you know what happens with fan favorites. Um, we're going to be discussing uh, Eddie Munster today, and that's his name, right? Uh, different guy. Different guy. Close. Close. You know what I never understood about Eddie Munster before we uh, get into this? His dad was a reanimated corpse, Frankenstein's monster thing. And his mom was a vampire. Somehow he's a werewolf. I don't. I'm not a geneticist, but somehow it just doesn't seem to work for me. Maybe he was adopted. Have you ever Ma- stopped to think about that? No. Maybe, maybe one of them have maybe werewolf maybe, DNA maybe in their family tree. Well, it's not Lily because her dad is a vampire. I'm guessing. She had a one-night stand with Lon Chaney Jr., and that's what happened. And Herman doesn't remember it because they just swapped his brain with someone else, Abby someone, Abby normal. And that's why uh, I don't like cricket. I think you're reading way too much into that. But anyways, yes, today we were talking about fan favorite, uh, Fran, Fran, Fran favorite. favorite, wow, uh, fan favorite, uh, Eddie Munson. Guy out of After My Own Heart. Oh, I thought you forgot uh, the name like I did. <laughs> guy who does things. No, uh, Eddie Munson. Um, but before we do that, we have a getting into character segment for today. Yeah, because Eddie, uh, when we first meet him, he is discussing... Dungeons and Dragons. Yes, the Devil's Playground. Uh, and he's discussing all the different things, all the different you know, negative connotations that have been assigned to this uh, fantasy game uh, over the years. And, you know, for the past 40 years or so, uh, I remember being in Sunday school and they were like, oh, yeah, you know, like in the game, you have to pray to demons and, oh, demons don't take jokes. And like people were crawling into the sewers and doing crazy things. Oh, it's so scary. It's like, yeah, all right. Sure. Sure it was. Um, But... You and I have played a little bit. We've dabbled. We've tried to get into it. And uh, what did you think? What did you think? So I've always been intrigued by the idea of Dungeons and Dragons. I didn't really, uh, for the longest time, didn't know exactly what it was. Just knew that it, it, it existed. And it was for um, nerds. Well, not not necessarily that. Um, I thought it was more, I don't know, 
it, well, and, and it is fantasy and imaginative and whatnot. But I thought there was a lot more, um, like playing by the book, so to speak. I mean, not I know as, that not as much. A, uh, you mean like not as much improv and off the cuff. Exactly. Type of stuff. I didn't realize that D and D is a masterclass in improv. And you can, you know, yes, there are handbooks, there are different parts or, or aspects, different types of, of, you know, D&D stories that you can play out and stuff like that. But it really all depends on who your dungeon master is and who is in your team, like who, you know, is is in your, your, your cohorts that you meet up with and the characters that you create and what happened. Like, I didn't realize that there was this whole, like, just... Rich a, fantasy scape. plethora of things you could do. And it wasn't until we started playing where I was like, this is... This is so much more than I, I ever thought. Uh, it, and, and it was to the point where, I, you know, I, I thought to myself, um, I kept asking them, like, am I doing this right? Am I doing this right? And they're like, well, it's however you want to do it. There yeah, is no, really there no is no, way. exactly. There is no right or wrong way. You know, when it comes down to it, it's uh, sometimes you need to do something, sacrifice, you know, a part of your character or do something to save the betterment of your cohorts, but you don't always have to, you know, it's, it's, it's really, it's interesting because you can create whatever type of character that you want to create. And I had a lot of fun doing that, creating my character, coming up with a name, deciding, uh, you know, and that's another thing too. Like you can go on a whole, like, I don't necessarily want to say, you know, down a rabbit hole, but uh, that's the best analogy that I can think of. You can just go down a rabbit hole of, of creating your characters and coming up with, you know, like my character loves pizza, but hates spinach. You know, you can, you can get, you know, my character, my character loves, loves uh, gatherings, but hates people. You know, it's like... Randall from Clerks. <laughs> But, you know, you can be as in-depth as you want to be, you know, and, and some of it may never come up in gameplay, but it's something that you know because you've created this character and you've created such uh, an elaborate backstory that, you know, you know the ins and outs of these characters, you know, this character that you and and so, you know, in my uh, kind of like research when I first started playing, uh, just trying to figure out, you know, again, Am I doing this right? Uh, there are a lot of fantastic D&D podcasts out there. Of course, I found one that had drag queens involved with it. Um, but watch it, listening to these uh, podcasts, and some of them were also visual as well. So watching them and, and, and these people, like the players, really get into these characters to the point where they are creating voices and, you know, they start acting out the mannerisms of their character as they're playing. And it's just, it is so beyond, beyond what I, I thought it was. And now in hindsight, like knowing what it is, I think it's amazing. And we got I would that movie like, coming if, if out I with Chris it, Pine. Yes. Yeah. The, the D and D movie. Um, 
But honestly, like, I don't understand why you wouldn't want your child to play a game like this. You know, A, they're indoors and they're safe. You know, you know where they are. They're either at your house or over a friend's house. You know what they're doing. But the fact that, you know, some of these characters that are created uh, are based off of of real people in history or based off of real events and whatnot. So, you know, a lot of people will go into this in-depth research in order to really, you know, create this character and flesh out, you know, exactly what their character is and what they were involved with and whatnot. And the imagination, you know, my whole thing is... I really, I, I don't like what the interwebs, what this, you know, technology age has done to kids' imaginations. I personally feel that a lot of people aren't as imaginative as they once were, you know, having to sit by yourself and, you know, without these electronic devices surrounding you and create different worlds and whatnot playing with your dolls or your action figures or your army men or what have you you know uh, a lot of kids don't do that anymore so true like honest truth if my child was like i'm really into dnd i'd be like fuck yes fuck yes like that is fantastic because you know that they are a not only being safe but b really getting in touch with who they are and creating this character. And I've also noticed that you can kind of project a little bit with some of these characters too. Oh yeah. It's like, Oh, my night elf Mohawk has crippling depression and an eating disorder. <laughs> no, But like it's some people who may not be as self-assure or your have character a lot of is super confident, right? They so can you're not find... projecting. You're you're well, uh, living vicariously yes, through yes, your character. Yes, yes, that, that's a better way of saying it. Yes. All right, because what um, I was saying was projecting. Is like... Right. No, no, no. But I mean, like, yes, yeah. You can live. My vicariously. character has a crush on Jenny's character. <laughs> you can live vicariously through your character, and maybe in turn, you yourself can become more confident and whatnot. Yeah. Just think about you know like. Think about what Xanthor would do, you know, like WWXD. What would Xanthor do? But yeah, so we decided that for our getting into character question, we would talk about the one D&D campaign that we did create. Uh, we created characters for them. And uh, I don't think that our character designs or uh, our, our, uh, anything is going to really surprise people. But I want to just make sure I get my character's name correct yeah so this is actually what we did it during quarantine you know while uh some of the other people were making sourdough starters we were playing dungeons and dragons <laughs> yeah um that's what we did uh sunday mornings yeah it was um i'm trying dungeons to remember and dragons yeah, uh, with well, our... do you want me to go first then? Yeah, because you... I'm trying to. Okay, I want to make sure I get so my. So I forget what level I got up to, but my character is a tiefling or tiefling, a sorcerer uh, named Apotheca von Bathory. Uh, she was seven feet tall. She was built like an Amazon. She had a penchant for wine drinking and blowing things up. It sounds about right. 
I'm trying to remember the um, yeah, because you had like the fun, uh, the fun. What was your 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 attack? You had a specific attack. Um. Oh, I had a, a couple of a. Uh, I I could um. She could do. She could throw fireballs. Mm-hmm. I remember that. Um, there were a couple of other ones too that I can't remember right offhand. Uh, she could throw things. Like, so she could, like, throw uh, almost like Molotov cocktail type, um, but she would throw the liquid first, and then she could set it on fire um, to kind of have, like, some some range to it. Uh, she wasn't... Um, she didn't have a, much in the way of weaponry. I think she kind of had, like, the... The basics, yeah, she had like the basics when it came to armor and stuff like that. We were in the process of, um, you know, uh, the more I leveled up, the more I could add to her. So that's kind of what I was going for, uh, wanting to get her better weaponry and get her better, you know, uh, more coverage armor, better armor. Um, and uh, with being a sorcerer, the more you level up, the more spells you can do, the more complicated spells you can do, you can kind of combine things and whatnot. So, and that's another thing too, like there are some kind, some, some rules and whatnot in these handbooks, but um, I tried to, uh, I found that I was trying to uh, bend them as much as possible. Oh, it's we like, okay, did that well, as much, yeah, um, we did that a lot. If I could do, can I do this? Like, if I use this, so, um, you know, using all the different tricks and tools in my, in my knapsack, uh, but it was a lot of fun. It was a lot of fun. I, I really enjoyed it. And what was really cool is it was a group of neophytes, so... Patsy and I, who had never played D&D before, um, our dungeon master had played D&D before, but had never been a dungeon master. So it gave him the opportunity to, you know, create this world, which he was doing a really good job with. And it was uh, simplistic enough for us newbies to really follow along, but creative enough and interesting enough where, you know, we, we were able to really, I thought we created a pretty good story. I think so too. Oh, that explains why I can't figure it out. I was trying to figure out where my um Dungeons and Dragons thing was and like where um where all my like data was. And it's because it was a different email account. So hold on, I'm I'm pulling that up now because I had of course, my guy was, yeah, D&D Beyond. There it is. There it is, D&D Beyond team. Yep, the much-anticipated player app. All right. So the, the, uh, the character that I had, because we did what's called a homebrew, which means, you know, kind of like what Ashes was talking about earlier, like there's a... Um, there's a manual that you have to follow, but with homebrew, it's kind of like when you uh, create your own rules for n Monopoly. Like, everywhere you go, everybody has their own, like, Monopoly rules. Do you know what I mean? Like, they, uh, you know, like, this is how, 
this is how I play. This is how, you know, like if you land on, like for us, if you land on free parking, you get every, every, all the money that's in the middle, which I always thought was cool. Um, you know, so the homebrew is you create your own, your yeah, own so things it's like based you, on you you use the rules and then you bend them as much as you possibly can and more it, of a guideline than an actual exactly. rule exactly and it's one of those things where as long as everyone in your party is okay with you doing what you're doing you can kind of you know like you said create your own rules and you know again which is uh, one of those things what that I think is so fascinating about it because the game that we were playing is completely different from the game that anybody else is playing and the games that they are playing is completely different than the games that other people are playing right and it was it was a lot of fun because we got you got to really exercise a lot of creativity but my character was a half shark half elf or and half human i know it was basically an anthropomorphic shark and he had a big axe and he did a lot of biting. That was those were his attacks. And at one point, we were in a shop, and we were uh, we were trying to buy some items that we had just gotten from our first dungeon quest. And I ate all of the cookies, and blamed an orphan. And I had enough charisma to get away with that charisma check, and the shop owner believed me and punished the orphan. So I successfully ate all the cookies and blamed an orphan. So my guy wasn't like a big, dumb brood. He was, you know, a smart guy. He was, uh, you know, very handsome. very hungry. Yeah, he was a hungry, hungry uh, hippo shark. And he, uh, you know, liked cookies. I mean, because who among us does not? Uh, his name was Squalus because he is uh, a shark, and that's a that's a word for shark. Um, big chompy man, I think that's what uh, his technical name was. But yeah, um, I don't think he had. I think he had a fireball spill too. Like eventually, like he was able to do some magic because he well, had elf blood in. I him. do recall that you had the ability to. I, I forget the exact name for it, but the ability to speak with other animals. Oh yeah, yeah, because I was a, an animal. And I do recall uh, during one of our. I believe it's called cat chat. Cat, cat chat. Uh, during one of our voyages campaigns campaigns during one of our campaigns we encountered a pack of wolves and instead of uh fighting the wolves and instead of you know attempting to harm the wolves in any way or you know whatnot uh we were able to charm them and patsy's character was able to speak to them and we uh gave turned them, them into we gave them some snacks and turned them into pets we bit yeah we basically domesticated them because i i was like hey let, like, can me use, we, let me use like, my cat can, chat. Can we Game of Thrones these? Can we... Uh... Warg them? <laughs> yeah. Let me use my cat chat on these wolves. And it worked because I rolled my, my dice. And that's the other thing. If you haven't played Dungeons & Dragons, 
the first thing you need is a set of dice. Now, you can get virtual dice, but that's not really the same thing because you can't step on a virtual D4. Oh, see, um, that was, that was and my... And that's, that's the Achilles heel because you're like, ooh, these Call of Cthulhu dice. I think I bought 12 packs of dice, and I still have all of them, but, like, we only use them a few times, and we haven't used them in two years. And I spent so much money on dice. But it's all right, because when we pick well, it up like again, a, we'll have them. It's like accessories. And they're so pretty. Yeah, I had to, I had to really like hold myself back from getting some of these more um, expensive ones. Oh, I'm talking like... My name is Squalus Salacomorpha, which is basically shark shark. I mean, you can get like <laughs> some really bougie dies out there like i'm talking swarovski crystal in like velvet pouches and oh yeah i was i was going down that road and i was like eh, maybe i shouldn't and i'm kind of glad i didn't although i kind of wish i did <laughs> they were really pretty uh yeah so i overall uh it was a fabulous experience i really enjoyed it and i cannot say enough i i, I wish i had the time and the opportunity to dedicate to doing it more. Um, we've heard stories of people who have been playing, you know, with this with the same people and obviously with social media and with like, you know, the technology of Zoom and whatnot, it makes it so much easier to, you know, if you're scattered all over the place or, you know, quarantined, you can play together. But I've heard stories of, of you know, these campaigns that have gone on for decades and, you know, routinely the same group of people. Um, it's always the same group of people. Sometimes they, you know, uh, indoctrinate their kids into it and whatnot, you know, invite their spouses or whatever. But, you know, it's always the same group of people getting together to play Dungeons and Dragons, you know, and, and it's just one of those things that I think is just so awesome. So awesome. Yeah, it, it is a lot of you fun. You know, a way to keep in touch with people. Especially now with how uh, technology is, you know, like, yeah, it was great for people working at home, but Zoom also really helped all these online campaigns. So I like it. I dig it. Uh, it's fun. It lets you use your imagination. Um, imagination. And as uh, Willy Wonka told us, you know, nothing's better than pure imagination. So we're going to take a quick break. We're going to roll for initiative. Yes, we're going to roll for initiative, and uh, hopefully we uh, we roll a nat 20. Otherwise, uh, we're never going to be able to come back from break. So uh, may the force be with us. I think that's what they say in that D&D. I think that's how it goes. Uh, might be a different guy. All right. Well, I'll I'll Yahoogle that and uh, while these these ads are playing, and uh, hopefully we'll be right back. Deadly Grounds Coffee knows how important your coffee is to you. Every batch is roasted to perfection with a unique special method that brings out the richest, deepest, smoothest flavor you'll ever find. We're coffee freaks too, and deadly serious about our brew. Just one sip and you'll know why we say, once you go deadly, you don't go back. It's truly coffee to die for. So when you're ready to get a little deadly, Get online and order yours at getdeadly.com. It's coffee so good, <coughs> it's scary. No. 
Blackness. At first regarded as a harmless game of make-believe, now has both parents and psychologists concerned. Studies have linked violent behavior to the game, saying it promotes satanic worship, ritual sacrifice, sodomy, suicide, and even murder. <laughs> Shit, he seems really revved up today. He's always revved up. We'll just act casual. Casual, casual, right. Okay. Totally. Society has to blame something. We're an easy target. Exactly. We're the freaks because we like to play a fantasy game. But as long as you're into band or science or parties or a game where you toss balls into laundry baskets. You want something, freak? <laughs> <laughs> It's force conforming. That's what's killing the kids! <laughs> and we are back, and just in time, because uh, Ashes is not digging the song that I've been singing to her. Um, I won't sing it right now, because she's already, I don't know, what, uh, perturbed? That might be a, that might be a good... That's a, that's a word. That might be a good word, but it perturbed. Uh, but yeah, we are uh, discussing today, as you just heard, uh, that was the introduction of this character on the show. We are talking about Stranger Things Season 4's uh, fan favorite character, Eddie Munson. You know, sometimes when we approach an episode, you know, deciding what we're going to do, what characters we want to cover. Uh, you know, sometimes it, it takes a little bit of effort to try to figure out a schedule and whatnot. And you know what? Sometimes the interwebs do it for us. And everyone is just absolutely batty for Eddie. Yeah, and I don't get why. Uh, so there are going to be spoilers for this. Um so be warned. Did, did you just say you don't get why? I didn't finish my sentence. Okay. So be warned. There are spoilers on this. So if you don't want to be spoiled, go watch season four of Stranger Things and come back to us. This is your last chance. Okay. I don't know why the Duffer Brothers continue to kill off fan favorite characters, but leave the main crew intact every time. Now, Jim Hopper, I understand. Jim Hopper doesn't die until 1987's In the Jungles of Alverde by the Predator. That is a fact. That is 100% true. Go watch 1987's The Predator and tell me that I'm wrong. Second, he's... Uh, this kid, what was it? Jamie O'Neill or whatever? The actor? Yeah. Joseph Quinn. I was close. Um... So, Joseph Quinn, formerly of Game of Thrones. For one episode, for yes. For one episode, and he talked to Arya, and she was going to kick his ass, but she didn't. He wouldn't let her into Winterfell. Yeah, at season eight. So, he's recovered nicely from being in season eight of Game of Thrones to being in season four of, of uh, Stranger Things. But he was not as high-profile or well-known an actor as, say, Sean Astin who I can understand, like, maybe he can only commit to one season of a show. 
Um, so I get, and they're really forcing the Joyce Hopper thing uh, to happen. But why they feel the need to kill off these characters all the time, and they don't kill off any of the main characters. And part of the reason, again, tying back into Game of Thrones, part of the reason why Game of Thrones was so good is because anyone could go at any time. You know, setting up Ned Stark as the main character throughout the entire first season, then killing him in the next to last episode. Brilliant writing. Because you're like, all right, Ned's the guy. And then next season, it's like, oh, Ned's son. Yeah, Rob, he's the guy. He's the guy we're meant to follow. He's going to, oh, oh, that's sad. That's, oh, that shouldn't have happened. But in even in when they do kill someone, they're like, ah, psych. You know, Lucy pulling the football back. You know, like, it's like, oh, no, you were dead. Oh, but you're not anymore. Isn't that nice? Oh, that's so good. We're so happy you're not dead. Eddie was one of the few characters in this show that has real charisma, real personality. Mike is dull as dishwater. Eleven, even worse. Like, if she was a spice, she'd be flour. If she was a book, she'd be two books. <laughs> no, she's just they're they're boring characters. They're not bad actors. I'm not saying that the, the the kids are bad actors. I'm saying that these characters thus far are boring and tedious. There's nothing like really interesting about them. Like if you were to rank the the characters from this season, like you would have uh Eddie and Argyle, arguably the top two characters. And then the... It's weird to call it this, but the father-son bromance of Steve and Dustin. Because, I mean, I don't know what else to call it. It's like an older brother-father-son bromance. Is it not? It's It stems from the whole babysitter thing. And... Uh, this is actually a conversation that we are going to have eventually. So in anticipation of season five, which we're going to get eight years from now, apparently, uh, or at least that's what it feels like, uh, what we are going to do leading up to season five is do a retrospect of every single season leading up to, talking about the characters, the character evolutions, and we're whatnot. We're going to so, all that good stuff. Right, yeah, we're going to rewatch it, which, I mean, like, I really need an excuse to rewatch Stranger Things. Honestly, so a couple of things before we really delve into the meat of this discussion. Um... During this whole quest for nostalgia craze that is still going on, uh, I think that Stranger Things is one of the best things to come out of it. Nostalgia literally translates to the pain from an old wound, which is kind of fun. Because <laughs> which is kind no, of fun. Because <laughs> like you ever, and it's gonna it's gonna sound weird, but like. You look at a scar and you're like, oh, yeah, I remember that. I remember how I got that and how it helped shape who you are. doesn't matter what. Like, I have this huge scar on my wrist from on the outside of my wrist on the bone from this time that I thought it would be. A, there was like a kind of friendly cat that was outside and I picked him up and he was like, no. And he scratched me <laughs> and he ran away. 
uh, he was like, no. Well, he was friendly, so I was like, I was, yeah. I was like seven or eight, and I was like, cats love me, and he was like, but do they? I think we should just be friends. So <laughs> that was that yeah. was a great story. Well, Thank I thought you, you were going to pick it up, but like we look at these scars, and you know, it's almost like looking back at these old TV shows, like. When I was in my early 20s, I was like, oh, I'm going to buy the Masters of the Universe box set season one because I loved that show growing up and I'm going to love it now because it's a good show. It is not a good show. It does not hold up. He-Man never uses his sword. It's no, it's not. It's not for someone who's in their mid-20s. It's not. However, certain things... And Stranger Things does this very, very well, like you were saying, do evoke specific memories of where you were at certain times, like in the early 80s, like some of the music that's been kicking around, like that mm-hmm. General Zod song that we, we were we were talking about, <laughs> yes. um, which is, of course, a fan song about Superman 2 and Terrence Stamp's character, General Zod. Um, why it was in Stranger Things, I don't know, but... Superman's nostalgic. They like comic books, I guess. Um, but it can bring back music that had just come out that we're like, oh, man, do you remember how good that song was? Because I think music, and we get to see this throughout the season, music is one of those things that is universal. Everyone loves music one way or another. Like, I don't think I've ever met someone that's like, Oh, do you like music? No, I don't like music. I prefer silence or perhaps the ticking of a clock or a metronome. That's what I like. Nothing rhythmic, nothing fun, you know, no music. Everybody likes some kind of music, and everyone has a specific type of music that puts them in a specific mood. And, you know, you have your... Your comfort food music. Mm. I'm feeling sad. This will make me feel slightly better. Or I'm feeling sad. This reflects my mood. I'm feeling happy. This reflects my happiness. Um, it's and it evokes emotions, which is why we get to see it used throughout the entire the entire series. Because it's not for the kids listening to it in the in the show. It's for us watching it. Well, I mean, and it, okay, so I'm going to kind of jump forward a little bit, you know, talking about the music uh, and the way that some people are kind of being chastised for, you know, oh, they love Kate Bush now because, you know, this was their introduction. They had never heard of Kate Bush before, to which I say, welcome, listen to Withering Heights, be amazed, she's phenomenal, you know, or the kids who are, you know, have discovered Metallica. Metallica is in like the top four, you know, Master of Puppets is in the top four right now yeah and it was one of the best albums like that had some amazing shit on orion mm-hmm. it had uh one if i'm remembering correctly um like i'm not the i'm not the biggest fan of metallica i do like their earlier stuff i will say that so you know when you hear that guitar riff those initial chords of Master of Puppets start playing. You're just like, yes. I was, I was wrong. It was uh, Sanitarium mm. that's on Master of Puppets mm. and mm. Orion and Battery. 
and the thing that should not be. So it goes battery, master of puppets, master of puppets, the thing that should not be, welcome home, sanitarium, disposable heroes, leper messiah, Orion, which is an eight minute and 12 second instrumental song that is fucking incredible. And then Damage Incorporated. Uh, one must have been on, I forget what ep- album that was on. I'm but anyways. I, I, I digress. But the thing is, you know, people are being chastised for hearing these songs for the first time as if we didn't hear Bohemian Rhapsody for the first time watching Wayne's World, that headbanging car scene, you know, like don't, don't do that. Don't gatekeep. Don't, you know, make others feel bad for not having heard of something or, uh, you know, not having witnessed something before, you know, like, I mean, I would be interested to see how many, people went out and rented what fast times at ridgemont high and mm. uh all these other movies that they're talking about in in the, the army of darkness like all the stuff that's in the background on the posters all the tapes you know, and, and here's the thing you know be happy for these people because they're enjoying something that you enjoy and they're enjoying it for the first time i wish I so wish sometimes that I could go back and rewatch some of my favorite things, but watch them for the first time, well, watch them with fresh eyes. How many times have we talked to people and have we said ourselves, like, man, I wish I could get selective amnesia and go to a theater and see Jaws for the first time or The Thing or Mary Poppins or, yeah. you know, I remember the first time I saw Jurassic Park was at the the drive-in. So, I mean, that was cool. Same with Lilo and Stitch. Like, those are, you know, cool memories. But, like, imagine getting to see, like, the first time you tried chocolate, it was, you know, wrapped in something even better. Like, you're getting to experience these things. Like, some people, this might be their favorite song they've ever heard now. Mm-hmm. And it's wrapped up inside uh, a show that they love, that they've been investing several years of their life to. And, you know, it's again, it's like biting into a chocolate and finding out that there's like even better chocolate inside or like some sort of like amazing cream filling. Yeah. And, you know, going back to Stranger Things, you know, personally, I I love this show so much. I cannot say enough great things about it. And I actually really love all of these characters for the most part. I think that they have done some great character developments and evolutions with these characters, especially with Steve. Angela deserved that skate to the face. Um, You know, and I am really looking forward to waiting with breath that is abated for season five at this point. But this season, season four... Oh, uh, was beyond, beyond anything I could have ever imagined. Were there some holes? Absolutely. There's holes in everything, you know, but as a whole, from start to finish, that was one hell of a ride. And, uh, you know, you had the story was kind of all over the place. You had, what, three or four different stories being told simultaneously. But the way that everything was able to come together and the way that they ended everything, this was really the first cliffhanger that we've received from the Duffer Brothers. It started with, like, six separate storylines because you had Eleven and and, uh, Will. Then you had Mike, Dustin, Lucas. And then Mike went over with Eleven. 
you had uh, Jonathan and Argyle. You had uh, the guidance counselor, who's I figure going to feature prominently in the next season. Uh, but that's for another time. Um, we had the basketball team, the D and D stuff. We had uh, Lucas's sister, whose name Erica. Erica. I knew it ended with an A, and I couldn't think. Are you of it. kidding? Like, she threw a nat twenty. Yeah, she rolled a nat twenty. Because and fun fact: I forget what show it was or what they were doing, but they had the members of the Hellfire Club actually playing D and D. And for some of these kids, it was their first time playing. And it came down to the actress who plays Erica, uh, and the actress actually rolled a nat twenty. And nice. it was it was cool. It was a really cool thing. I, if, I, if I find the YouTube video, I'll post it in the group. But like the main, like what you're talking about, the main storylines, there's the Hopper storyline with those five people. You had Murray, Joyce, uh, Jack and Hagar, yeah. <laughs> Hopper, and, his name. and the peanut butter smuggling guy. Then you had... Uh, We're just going to call him Skippy. Yeah, Skippy's a good name. Jif? Gif? Wasn't it? It began with like a Y or something like that. It's like not Ivan, but like yeah, that's gonna bug me now. Yuri, 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 yes. I uh, it was like a, I knew it was a stereotypical like Russian name, and then you had the you had uh, the upside down crew, which was Dustin, Lucas, uh, Max, Steve, Eddie. Uh, Robin and Nancy. You had the Eleven crew, which ended up getting split up because it was Mike, Jonathan, uh, Mike, Jonathan, Argyle, Argyle, Will, and then Eleven because Eleven was off by herself with uh, Matthew Modine and Paul Reiser. So then they linked up. And they had to do their thing. So, yeah, there's like the factions changed over and over again, and they were thousands of miles apart every time. But, like, in the midst of all of these storylines and all of these different characters, really one character rose to the top this season and it's a character that was introduced this season and that character is Eddie Munson. So... Believe it or not, fun fact, Eddie Munson is actually based on a real person. So uh, let me gather my notes here. Uh, it is inspired by artist and writer Damien Eccles, who was one of the Me West Memphis Three and a real-life victim of the sat sat uh -huh, satanic panic that swept America in the 80s and 90s. The West Memphis Three case centered around the death of three young boys in West Memphis, Arkansas in 1993 and found teenagers Jesse Miskelly Jr., Jason Baldwin, and Damian Eccles as the main suspects. The teenagers had been accused of petty crimes in the past and were outsiders to, quote, the prevailing cultural climate of West Memphis situated in the Bible Belt. 
The three were charged and sentenced for the murders, alleged to have been conducted as part of a satanic ritual, despite a lack of evidence and a clear bias against them. They have since spent years fighting back against the charges and trying to use DNA evidence to rid them of the guilty verdict. After almost two decades of legal battles and attention called to the injustice of cases by movie makers, musicians, and other public figures, they were finally released from prison on Alford, please, Alford, please, Alford, please, yes, in 2001, sentenced to time served. The th- all three men spent 18 years in prison for crimes they did not commit, and they are still not technically exonerated by the legal system. Uh, a guilty, an Alford plea is a guilty plea in which the defendant maintains their innocence but admits that the prosecution's evidence would likely result in a guilty verdict if brought to trial. Okay. So, I'm innocent, but the evidence against me says that I'm not. Right, so... And uh, a lot of that, from what it sounds like, a lot of that evidence was fabricated and erroneous and spurious. Well, and that kind of bleeds into, you know, you could definitely see how this character was inspired by that and based on that. You have Eddie Munson, who is uh, about 19, 20 years old. He's been trying to graduate for a couple of years. They kept him back due to his attitudes and uh, his behaviors and whatnot. Not that he was not intelligent, he was just a uh, problem student, and that's how they dealt with problem students. Yeah, this was uh, in the days before ADHD and any other behavioral thing. It was, oh, you're a behavior problem. That's what you are. Plain and simple, case closed. But he was really making a go of it for 1986 because that was the last, that was his last chance to actually graduate because by time, by the time graduation came, he would have been 20 years old and too old to repeat his senior year. He would have had to go get his GED if he wanted to get a diploma. Right. And he would have ended up probably in the army. And that was one of those things where he was really proud of himself for, you know, trying to uh trying his best. And that was like his driving force behind what he was doing. He just wanted to graduate. He just wanted to get out of that place. This place where, you know, obviously he's the oldest student there, but he's also criticized and chastised and cast out for being different from everybody else. Yeah, which sucks because, you know, there's there is a a uh, a value in being different. There is a uh, a worthiness in being different. When you are a uh, but you have to be a, you know, like he says in his speech, you have to be the right kind of different. If you're into science or parties, none of which are you know, like partying and, and like being like the cool popular kids, like those behaviors are far more destructive than playing D&D. But party, well, that's what kids do. Oh, you know, it's just typical because that's what other people grew up doing. So, well, and it really shows the holes that uh, not only high school has, but small towns have in the sense that uh, people hate those that they don't understand. And right. Eddie was Fear very them. much 
misunderstood. You know, he's this nonconformist metalhead, plays, dun- you know, this fantasy game, Dungeons and Dragons, which, you know, as you've heard, is in the news for creating this satanic panic. People think that it's causing people to worship the devil and conjure demons and do all of this crazy shit that was not even close to what it was. Not just in the news, in like the the magazines that they were. Well, I was going to say, like, in, in in it was in the media during that time. It yeah, was, it, it was, was everywhere. The news, everywhere. Pro, the, like the news magazine shows. You know, every magazine rack. And you know, Eddie didn't just play Dungeons and Dragons. He was part of a club. He was actually the head of the club, the he Hellfire the Club. He was the dungeon master. So. He, amongst all of his other club members, was really looked down upon because he was the leader of them all. And he was really outspoken and saw all of the holes that everybody else had in them. You know, the fakes, the phonies, you're just trying to fit in. You know, I don't care. I'm not like you. You know, uh, you could be doing something better with your time. I'm going to be myself, my authentic, true self. But he also, you know, uh, while Eddie was a stereotype. Oh, yeah, 100%. Um, which obviously there was a lot of truths to that stereotype. When you really get down to who the character was, like he was really charming and sweet and charismatic and caring and you know he really had a bond with the younger members of the hellfire club being mike lucas and especially dustin yeah because uh, he was saying which was a point of contention between eddie and steve because it was like you know they were the legacy they were gonna have to carry uh carry on what he began like he wanted like because he uh, he helped create this, and he had been doing it for so long, you know, and he knew that these kids were passionate, and they had a, a, an aptitude well, for exactly. it. Exactly. It was a passion project of his, and he recruited those who had that same passion, you know, in hopes that they would continue this legacy, you know, that, that he started, and, you know, uh, not hold back and not back down to the criticisms that they were receiving. Right. And, you know, he knew that, you know, he had almost like a, a, an older brother relationship. You know, again, like you said, it was a point of contention with Steve because he and Steve, Dustin and Steve, had gone through a ton of stuff already. But it almost <laughs> felt like while Steve was more interested in getting laid... You know, and figuring out what he was going to do with his life. You know, Dustin still had his things that he wanted to do and where he wasn't spending enough time with Dustin. Dustin was kind of gravitating towards Eddie, who Steve in season one would have hated with every ounce of his being. But, you know, I think uh, there was a, a, a rivalry there and we got to see a little bit of it. But, you know, he... They both were fighting for Dustin's affection, although Eddie didn't feel like he was really fighting for it as much as Steve did, because Steve felt like he was losing Dustin. Eddie was just like, yeah, this is Dustin. This is 
this is how we always do everything all the time. And you kind of knew with that moment when they were prepping in the the grass there, you know, figuring out how their weapons, their homemade weapons were going to work and whatnot. That moment that Eddie has with Dustin's where he says, you know, something along the lines of never change Henderson, like, yeah, never change who you are. You know, you're perfect the way that you are. Uh, I, I had a feeling. I just said my heart sank. I was like, oh, no. Oh, no. They're going to kill him, aren't they? Uh, but we kind of got a little bit of uh, a little bit of head of, of ourselves here. Um, I think one of the uh, most charming scenes with Eddie is the scene that he has in the woods with Chrissy Cunningham, the uh, head cheerleader. Uh, Chrissy had been under the spell of Vecna before we knew what Vecna was, who Vecna was, what Vecna was doing and whatnot. Uh, she's Vecna's first victim. Um, she crosses paths with Eddie uh, to try to get something, to partake of something that could maybe put her mind at ease a little bit. And there is this scene in the woods where this, you know, supposed drug deal is supposed to ta to, to happen. Uh, where he can see that she's really nervous. And she opens up to him. And you can tell that, you know, with everyone else, she kind of puts on this fake facade and whatnot. But she had a she had a real honest moment with Eddie and he had a real honest moment with her and in return was really playful and did things to kind of take her mind off the fact of, of you know, that she was doing something she probably thought she never would do. And that she might end up regretting if, like, anybody ever caught her. Right, and, right. So, And he knew that he was going to get blamed no matter what the outcome. Any negative uh, interaction, even if someone just... she. Whatever he gave her made her feel amazing and things worked out great. Even if that were the case. Well, I mean, it's one of those, if anyone... Oh, you took drugs and you got it from him. He's the bad guy. Not you for taking him. He's right, the bad guy. Right. He probably like, forced how he... you. Well, you know, and then knowing that he's, you know, in D&D, &D, this cult, this demonic cult. How like, did oh, he trick you into what, it? Well, exactly. You know, did he do some type of ritual on you to make you want to do this? And, and she... Probably would have gone along. Oh, he hexed me. He put he put a hex on me, and I didn't know what I was doing. She's a witch. Um, yeah, yeah. Oh, Eddie's but, a witch. But it's uh, it's a really cute scene, and it kind of strips him down a little bit from what we've seen from him before. And this is all happening, right? And this is all happening within the first episode. We get such a a character not a dichotomy. Uh, yeah, I would say not necessarily evolution, but definitely dichotomy. That's a great word for it. Uh, in this first episode, we get to see all of these layers that this character has, and you think, wow, you know, it's they've like done parfait. so much character development in one episode. You know, uh, it, the writing was so good. Well, he's also, as we so see good. throughout the season, like he's not afraid to admit when he's in over his head, when he's afraid, well, when like, he knows he's, he's beaten. He's not the hero. Oh, yeah, we, he we, knows are, we are not the heroes. Yeah. You know, he uh, 
acknowledges the fact that he runs away. You know, when Chrissy was being completely torn apart by Vecna, what did he do? He ran away, and he uh, admitted that. He's like, I ran away. In the 80s, that was called jazzercise. Jazzercise. She was doing jazzercise in the living room. What happened? <laughs> it was like Olivia Newton-John was there. She was getting physical. <laughs> physical. She got physical. Physical. <laughs> Um, but you see, and like the, the terror that is on his face when that's happening and, and, you know, all of the, the range of emotions that he goes through, uh, during that scene and after that scene. You know, yeah. Basically it carries him, that experience carries him through the rest of the, of the season. Because he was the, the first, yeah, his life. he was the first one to witness what Vecna was doing, and um, you know, a kudos to him for being so fucking cool with everything. You know, uh, first he goes into hiding with the help of Dustin and the uh, Hellfire Club and. Their friends and Lucas um, leading the the basketball team in the wrong direction. Yep, yeah. Which we don't realize that until after. Which I mean, you kind of figured, but still. Uh, but you see him, you know, be really vulnerable and uh, scared, really scared. Which I mean, who wouldn't be in that situation when you're being hunted? Everyone in the town thinks because you're everyone, a yeah, everyone thinks you're this this crazy murderer who murdered Chrissy because you know she was found in his uncle's trailer. And it's not like it's like oh she died of mysterious circumstances. We can't figure out the cause of death. It's like no, her eyes were gone, her limbs were twisted. Like she was completely mutilated. Like yeah, she was twisted. She looked like a pretzel looked at her was like whoa bitch, you need to calm down. Like. You know, she was all kinds of fucked up. So it looked like a particularly savage uh, murder. You know, it wasn't like, oh, she OD'd and died. Right. And everyone immediately just wanted his head. It was 100% a closed casket funeral. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Yes. So, and they're like, oh, we got to find where he's hiding the eyeballs and this and that. But, like, Eddie is one of those guys that, you know, puts on a... I thought he had a very terrible home life. He was, and he was very similar to Billy. Uh, but it turns out that it's not that they have a terrible home life. It's just he doesn't come from money. He's not rich. You know, he's just he's had to work really hard for mediocrity. And he lives with his uncle. Like he doesn't have his parents. Well, and that's the thing. Parents. You know, we don't know exactly what happened to his parents. We don't know much about his background. You know who he was before all of this. We just know who he was during these events. And then obviously ultimately leading up to his supposed death, which we will talk about later. But there's definitely something that happened to him that made him uh, have such an affinity to uh, to uh, you know the kids but Dustin in general uh, or ju the kids in general but Dustin specifically so you know there's definitely something that happened in that backstory and we may end up getting it in, in season 5 because uh, like I said I don't think uh, I don't think he's uh, done 
Especially where, like, they might have an outline for what's going on in this next season, but they may have to change it based on the popularity of, of this character. So let's get to that. So I want to say, like, first of all, uh, kudos to him for being so fucking cool with living off of, what, Honeycomb and Yoohoo's um, in a, a boat garage hiding out. Uh, and also kudos to him like he f they tell him about 11 the group finds him they're trying to get him to safety because you know people are out looking for him they tell him about 11 oh we have this friend and she had powers and she does all of this stuff and he's just like okay <laughs> you know <laughs> like it's just just kind of unfazed by you know everything that's going on um and then he has no issue uh going with the group learning what's going on and and willing to fight for this group fight fight for hawkins indiana what did hawkins indiana ever do for eddie munson right like hey we need you to you know basically come over and fix all these things and these people will never know what you did for them you they know, will never know all the, the things that you did, all the sacrifices you made. They will never, ever know it. The Shire is burning, so Mordor it is. Which, by the way, like, the Lord of the Rings trilogy films had not come out at that time. So if anyone knew what the Lord of the Rings was, they had to have either read the books or listened to a lot of Zeppelin. Or? Or? Watch the animated series, the Ralph ba Bashke? Bakshi? Baskin? No, not Baskin. It's like Ralph Bash Bashki. Bakshi. Hold on, let me uh But yeah, the the animated ones where Gollum looks kinda like a frog. That's it's the same animation that some of those Christmas specials are. Yes, but it's not uh When did those come out? Bakshi, nineteen seventy eight. Oh, okay. Okay. So yeah, he, they could have seen those. Like I remember watching those as a kid too in in high school. Not, not high school. Um, in like elementary school. Not too long after the events of Stranger Things take place. So I mean, The Hobbit was around. I mean, the books had been around since the '30s. Uh, and if you're a D and D guy, your chances are you're also Lord of the Rings guy. So. But this leads us to the ultimate sacrifice that Eddie makes. So the kids are going to fight Vecna, try to defeat him, um, release Max from whatever hold that Vecna has on her because they don't they do not want her to be his fourth and final victim to, you know, open the floodgates that would bring the upside down to Hawkins, Indiana and just completely demolish and destroy everything. Um, Eddie had no real qualms about doing what needed to be done and you know he has that fabulous scene with with dustin where he tells him to not change he has this a real heart-to-heart -heart scene with steve where they talk about dustin and you know eddie's like hey the kid worships you like, he loves you. Like, I don't know what, what you're thinking right now, but, like, you know, you need to be here for him. He needs you in his life. You know, you are such a good person for him. And they have this ultimate, like, bonding moment over Dustin, which is just so, it's so pure. Like, it's so pure and so good. 
Yeah, and like I said, like there was that 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 interaction that they had. This is what I was referencing because Eddie never looks at it like I'm losing because he understands what the dynamic between Dustin and Steve is. Steve being so preoccupied, not understanding what he might be losing until he's almost lost it, even though he never almost lost it, uh, not understanding what it might be, um, you know, confides in Eddie, and Eddie's like, you talking about turkey? Like, you don't need to worry about anything. Everything's all good. And that's when Steve feels better. Yeah, so they, they it's almost like, you know, that's his final thing that he needs to do. He makes amends with Steve, even though there really wasn't anything to be, you know, there to begin with. Although in the beginning, Steve did call him a freak behind his back. And that was a big thing. You know, people referring to Eddie as, you know, Eddie the freak. Um, Eddie the you know, banished. Eddie the banished when, you know, after after everything happened. Um, but leading up to his ultimate sacrifice... Uh, they come up with this plan where Eddie and Dustin are supposed to uh, get the demo bats to kind of congregate in one area. Get them away them, from right, the keep house. Keep them occupied so that the rest of the group can go and do what they need to do to defeat Vecna. They can so go into be... the, the upside down house right. while Max lures them into the mindscape so while they're in the mindscape, Vecna and Max, his physical body is uh, vulnerable. Kind of like in the Matrix, when Neo's in the Matrix and he's kicking ass, like all somebody has to do is hop onto the ship where he is and unplug him and he dies. That's kind of what they do with uh, Vecna, except they definitely Halloween it. Yes, yes. Uh, and we have this probably the best scene of this season which we will play uh going into our coming back from our next break so eddie in true metalhead fashion guitarist of corroded coffin decides that the best thing he can do is lure the bats away with music with a song 